Welcome to the Police Fit Podcast, where applicants and serving officers can learn how to smash their fitness test and regain their health. With over 11 years' experience in the fitness industry and 17 years' service in the military and as a first responder, your host, Brad Williams, shares his experience and expertise in helping applicants get their dream job and serving members regain their health. Learn how to increase your health and fitness with actionable steps for first responders by a first responder. So please enjoy this episode of the Police Fit Podcast. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of the Police Fit Podcast. Firstly, quick shout out to our sponsors, 3-0 Coffee. If you've heard the podcast before, you've heard me talk about them. Um, they're an amazing company doing things, amazing things for first responders and they have incredible coffee and merchandise. So uh, go check them out. I'll put a, a link in the show notes below. If you use the code 30POLICEFIT, uh, you get 10% off your order with them. So go check them out. Um, we run a we run a um, a bi monthly challenge every every two months in our coaching group, um, and the winners the winners get merchandise from Three Zeros and and I haven't heard any complaints yet. Everyone loves them. Um, their coffees are great. Just go check them out. Like not only is their are their products amazing, they're doing 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 great things for first responders looking after us. So go check them out. Um, the other thing too, we've just had our elite program releasing our Armory app. If you haven't heard about our Armory app before. It's $47 for a year access. So it's less than $1 a week, which is fucking nothing, right? Uh, we've got the elite program in there. We've got a home program in there. If you want to train at home with no equipment required, we have a gym strength and conditioning program in there. We have the police applicant gym and home programs in there. Um, we also have a zero to hero gym and home program. So if you're just starting off your fitness again, getting back into it, um, we've got programs in there. If you're at the top level of your training you want to take it that next level get onto the elite program all right we've got programs in there for you as well uh when you get when you get access to the armory app um you also get access to our coaching group um as i said before bi-monthly challenges in there and our healthy habits program that's in the app as well um and you get coaching as well obviously through the coaching group group coaching but you're, you're more than more than welcome to send me a message whenever you like um, so check it out. I'll put that in the show notes below. It's the Armory app. If you need a bit more of that like one-to-one help, then obviously fill out our application form for our one-to-one coaching. Um, but the, the Armory app's there as well. Check it out. Um, it's amazing value, all right? Um, just finally, just before we kick off with the questions, just a quick shout-out to Ricky. Um, I ran into him in a gym in Atherton, which if you don't know where Atherton is, it's in the middle of... Um, Oh, it's it's about an hour an hour inland from Cairns, which is up north Queensland way. Um, just randomly, I was just in this gym training with the wife. I was wearing my three zero coffee shirt, um, and he said hi and said he listens to the podcast and the uh, Zero Limits podcast, which is an amazing podcast as well. Give them a listen, check them out. Uh, yeah, I was wearing the three zero coffee t shirt in there, and he noticed it, and we had a bit of a chat. Um, and he actually just got accepted into Queensland Police, so congratulations, mate! He'll be starting soon. Um, had a really good had a really good chat with him. It was good. To, spoke about his training, what he's doing at the moment. Um, just a really really solid guy. So shout out to Ricky for saying hi to me. I appreciate it. All right, first question um, is from Rachel. Hi, Brad. I've heard a fitness guy say that you should not do push-ups on your knees, as it makes it harder to transition to your toes. Instead, do an incline push-up and then progress to lower and lower angles till you are on your toes. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I like that. I do. I would agree with that because 
you know, you are in that push-up position, but at a different angle. Um, but it all depends on what you what you have accessible to you to use. So, yes, incline, I would agree, would be better than doing knee push-ups, but that doesn't mean don't do knee push-ups if that's what you can do. Um, something else you can do, which I have done in the past with, um, with clients, is you can do normal push-ups with like a resistance band around your stomach or chest um, tied above yourself. So basically giving you resistance or giving you less resistance on the way down and then helping you um, on the way back up as well. But it's just a bit, I find with the band, it's probably, uh, I, find, I find it a bit, bit more difficult to find the right band to be able to do that. Um, but you can do that. Another one is too, if you've got a partner training with you, just get them, just put a towel around your stomach and they can hold on either side of the towel and kind of stand over the top of you and just pull up on the towel when you're starting to struggle so they can add the resistance as, re- or, um, add, you know, take away resistance as required. Sorry, I fucked myself up then. Um, take away the resistance as, as required. And, and that way you kind of, you're in the proper position. But so it kind of takes it upon your partner to make sure that they're, maintaining the right resistance level for you to try and uh, make sure you're getting the right outcome for your training. But whichever whichever, whichever way you're doing it, so you're doing like a set of 10 push-ups and you you need to do incline push-ups because you can't do all 10 on your toes. Whatever you're trying, whatever you're doing, start on your, start on your toes and do normal push-ups. So say you can only do one normal push-up and then you've got to do nine incline, that's fine. So do your one push-up and then maybe next time you can do two normal push-ups and then do an eight incline push-ups. Whatever you can do, um, do that. And over time, you'll find that you're doing two two normal push-ups and three normal push-ups and four normal push-ups, right? Um, until basically you're doing all your sets on normal push-ups. But just don't overthink it. Just train consistently, train hard, and you'll get there. Um, I have a podcast and a video on push-ups, and I'll put that in the show notes below. But just, um, yeah, main thing, just don't overthink it, okay? Just make sure you're training consistently, doing all the right things. If you can only do knee push-ups because you don't have the equipment to do incline push-ups, etc., then just do knee push-ups. That's fine. All right, next one's from Susan. Um, you recently had a post about planning a cheat meal or a snack around workouts. Is it better to have that cheat item before or after the workout? I have a long run coming up this weekend. If I decide to have a cheat snack, should it be the night before so I burn off the calories afterwards with the long run or do the long run, burn off the calories, then have the cheat snack? Really good question. I do like this one. Um, So for me, I would have it after and not so much for the calorie burn scenario, just more so for... I don't want to fuck my session up. So think about it on like a, like if you're just having one chocolate bar, it doesn't really matter, right? But think about on the, on, on the big scale. So for me, I, I have eaten whole cakes to myself before. Um, if you're in Australia, so if you're not in Australia, you wouldn't know, but in Australia, we've got Coles and Woolworths, which is our two main, two main shopping, um, two main food shopping outlets, I guess you'd call them. And people in Australia would know where I'm going with this, but you can buy a cake there for four fucking dollars, right? It's a whole cake. And it's pretty much just made of sugar and flour. You can get chocolate mud cake or you can get like a, a caramel one. Anyways, they're fucking incredible. Like that, 
taste so good, but they're so bad for you. I have eaten a whole one of those before one night. I was just, I was craving steak and cake. Um, so I went and I went and went to the shops, got myself a really good steak, spent the money and got myself one of those cake. And I ate, I had a steak, a piece of steak by itself. Um, maybe gravy on it. I can't remember. And then ate a whole fucking cake to myself. It was amazing, but I felt like shit afterwards. So in saying that, what I do is I'll, I'll train and then I'll eat, have my cheat meal after that. And, and a perfect example is like when we at work, we'll have like pizza on one of the night shifts. What I'll do is I'll make sure I train beforehand before I have the pizza because I know I'm going to feel not 100%. So I don't want what I'm eating going to affect my training. Um, but that's what I, I would do. Like some people are going to say, um, eat it before because you're technically then you're, you're training afterwards. You're probably going to burn it off better than what you're, if you, or your body might process it quicker because you're training or whatever. But just for me personally, I, I eat for performance. Um, so I eat for my training and what I'm going to be training. So I want to eat the best I can before my training session so that my training session is at the highest level that I can achieve. Um, and then I'll eat shit afterwards. So that's just, that's just how I do it. That's how I plan my sessions, especially running. Like I don't want to eat shit food before I run. Um, I know like if I'm, I know if I've got to train, like perfect example, I'm training jujitsu like a a 6am class. I'll make sure the night before I'm not having anything that's going to upset my tummy in the morning. So I'm not having anything too spicy. Um, you know, if we are, if we are having a pizza night at home, um, then I'll make sure the pizza is not too spicy. I'll be having something that's not going to upset my tummy. So everything I eat, even when I'm having a cheat meal, I try and I think about, okay, what, what's my training looking like for the next 24 hours? How's this going to affect it? Right. And, and what, what type of, um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to not have the cheat meal. Like I still have a pizza, for example, um, if we're having pizza night at home, but I'll just kind of decide what type of pizza I'm going to have around the type of training I'm going to be doing in the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours. Um, so yeah, that's just, that's just what I do. Um, really good question. Cause I know it's the same people think about a lot and probably one of those things that people overthink. Um, I just personally, I eat, I eat for my training. I eat so that I can train at the highest level possible. Um, so I'm going to have that cheat meal. If I'm going to decide before or after, I'm going to have it after every time. Um, the next one from Brianna, I'm struggling with the push-ups. I've been working on my core and upper body, but my push-ups are still hard. I can hold myself, I can hold myself down, but I can't push back up. Um, so as I said before, I've got the, the podcast and the video I'll put in the show notes below. Uh, the podcast is the best exercise for push-ups and the video is just push-up technique and tips. So something I've noticed recently, and I'll say this again, like if you're struggling with your push-ups, send me a message, send me a video of your push-ups, take two videos, one from the front, one from the side, do a maximum amount of push-ups and send them through to me and I'll have a look for you and I'll give you some feedback on areas you can improve on. Someone just sent it to me the other day um, and I gave her some feedback. Now, something I have noticed recently um, is speed on the way down. So when people are starting to get fatigued or even at the start, what they'll do is I'll drop down quick and then go back up, drop down quick and go back up. What I want you to think about is think about like on one end of the scale, a power lifter that's doing a one rep max on the bench press. 
you watch them, it's a controlled movement on the way down. They're not dropping it down, catching it, and then trying to push it back up again. They're slow on the way down because they're allowing the muscles to load up. So think about it another way. And this way I explained it to this um, other person that sent me the video through was if you're in the push-up position and I'm adding 100 kilos to your back, right, in 20 kilo plates, if I'm slowly putting one plate on there, slowly adding another, slowly adding another, slowly adding another, over that time, you're probably going to be able to stay, like be in the push-up position and hold that 100 kilos up because your muscles are adapting over that time, that little bit of resistance, little bit of resistance, adding, adding, adding. Whereas if I just dropped 100 kilos on your back, you're probably going to collapse because just that impact straight away. So think about on the way down your push-up, you want to be add resistance, add resistance, add resistance, not go all the way down and just drop really quick and then bang, you've got all that resistance on you. Okay, so have a look at your, like film film yourself doing a push-up, send it through to me if you want help, but film yourself doing a push-up and have a look at your speed on the way down, especially when you're getting fatigued because I'm noticing a lot of people as I'll drop down really quick, right? doesn't allow your muscles time to load up, right? And you're pretty much just down and then it's hard to push back up again. So just think about that. Think about going a bit slower on the way down. I'm not talking about slow reps either. Like that's another way to train um, to make the push-ups harder is to go really slow. Just talking about a nice smooth, a smooth transition down, smooth transition up. Okay. So just think about that next time you're doing the push-ups, right? Don't go, don't allow yourself to drop into the push-ups, control yourself down. Right, next one's from Beth. When performing a plank, I seem to get a lot of pressure in my lower back and knees. Uh, could it be in proper form and is there a way to improve this? So, um, look, first things first, it could be an indication of tightness in your hamstrings, lower back, um, or maybe an injury. So I would, I would suggest getting that looked at first. Um, just a couple of tips with the plank. Keep your thighs tight. Um, so when I say tight, not um, you shouldn't be shaking it that tight, just tight and firm. All right, pull your focus on pulling your be- belly button to your spine. I cannot, I cannot remember who who told me to do that. Um, what what can't remember who the coach was, so I can't can't say the name, so I can't remember. Someone told me that one day, and it made a massive difference. Also, in my running, when I when I feel like my form's getting a bit shit, I pull my belly button to my spine. Um, that'll just keep you a bit more rigid. The other thing is to look directly down and not ahead. So when you think about like, if, if you're sitting sitting upright, so if you're sitting upright, listen to this, what I want you to do is look straight up at the roof. What happens is you naturally, when you look up at the roof or when you're trying to look straight up, right, you're, you're going to arch your lower back um, to allow your head to go back. Now, if you're in the plank position and you're trying to look ahead of yourself, um, basically you're, you're in that same position. You're looking up and you're going to arch your lower back. Um, so what I want you to do when you're in the plank position is look directly down. Don't look ahead at all. Um, yeah, and that's and yeah, that's about it. So just keep your keep your thighs tight, belly button to your spine. Look directly down, not ahead. All right, and. Um, and yeah, just, just if you are having, it's it's one of those things like your plank shouldn't be causing pain in your in your knee and back. Um, sorry, you said pressure, pressure on your lower back and knees. It shouldn't be causing pressure or pain. Um, you should be able to feel like it should be able to feel it, like it's working muscle groups. But 
there shouldn't be too like any pain there. So um, see see a specialist and and have a chat to him. Just on just on specialist quickly now. Um, I was talking to, I was talking to a client recently about this. Like, make sure make sure you're treating specialists, whoever they are, they're on board with what your what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. So, um, yeah, this this client basically, um, like I don't want to give away. I'm not going to give away any personal information. So, sort of think about how I'm going to say this. Um, basically, they they need to be running to be able to get into the police and they're coming up to their final stages. Now the treating specialist is like, no, you can't run. You can't do any lower body stuff, but they, they have to be able to, they have to do it to be able to get past their fitness test. Now I've got a bit of pain, but not injured. Um, so what I suggested was just, Hey, have a chat to your treating specialist and tell them, Hey, me not running is not like, there's not an injury there. It's a muscle strain soreness so it's nothing severe which is fine and if you've got nothing coming up if you've got no fitness test coming up then you absolutely don't run you don't want to aggravate it get it 100 but there are times when you need to train through a bit of an injury to to make sure that you're and then be be smart about it not not causing any extra injury but there's sometimes a level of discomfort that you have to push through to get a required outcome or to achieve a required goal. So I've had treating specialists before that are like, um, you need to stop lifting weights. So I basically just went and found a new treating specialist. So if you can find someone that's the, the best, the, the best specialist I have found, um, and the, sorry, the osteo I'm seeing at the moment is really good. He does, he trains, but he's not really, that into his training, but in saying that he's really good, he's on board with my training and what I like to do and what I like to achieve. So when I did my, uh, I tore my MCL, which is the ligament medial crucial ligament, I think it's called, that's uh, how I pronounce it. It's on the inside of your knee. Um, so I tore that doing jujitsu. Now my my specialist, I said to him, I'm not gonna fucking stop training, you know that. You know, we're both on board, what, what I need to do. And basically he was like, okay, no, no directional change of movement. You can run in straight lines. There's no dramas. Uh, make sure you strap it every session and make sure you take care of it, basically. So, you know, other training specialists would be like, yeah, don't train at all, blah, blah, blah. But you just make sure that your whoever you're seeing is on board with your goals and what you want to achieve. Um, you know, I've had training specialists that have been like, no, you need to stop training. And basically, I've just found a new specialist. Um, so, yeah, just... Yeah, listen to them. Obviously, they're they're trained and they they do what they do. But don't be scared to go see someone else. If 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 you're if the person you're seeing isn't on board with how with what you're trying to achieve, um, then then uh, maybe maybe go chat to someone else. <laughs> um, all right, next one's from Elderette. This may be a strange question, but why does a person get diarrhea after long runs? Is it normal? Right, so I have to actually looked this up. So um, it's it's kind of, it's referred to as runner's diarrhea. Uh, you might have seen people like uh, in the Olympics running marathons, etc. It's happened happened to them. So basically, there's a few things. So blood flow, intense exercise diverts blood away from digestion, possibly irritating the intestines. Jarring to that impact of 
running, you know, can jostle the digestive organs, causing bowel movement. I have a, have a friend that runs a fair bit and I, think, I can't remember what he said, but it's like pretty much at the 2K mark, he needs to shit every time. So whenever he plans his runs, he kind of um, plans it so that there's a there's a bathroom at that 2K, 2K mark somewhere. Um, nervous system, so exercise effects in nervous system potentially disrupting digestion. Hydration and electrolyte imbalances can upset gut, gut function as well. Um, diet, so food choices. I spoke about before about eating light spicy pizzas and shit before training. Um, so food choices before and during running can contribute to the issues as well. So there's just a few things. There's no like one reason. There's a few different reasons why it can occur, um, but it's just a few of them. Right, next one's from James. So, how to gain weight and build muscle brackets upper body strength for guys who are skinny and never gain weight, no matter what they eat. So, firstly, yes, some people can have medical conditions that stop them from putting on weight. Um, so, if that's you, then obviously go go see a specialist, talk to a dietitian, um, etc. I put a post up once a year. I love putting it up. It basically says um, you're overweight because you're eating too much and not moving enough. Don't overcomplicate it. And I fucking always, without fail, I'll get I'll get comments in the in the uh, comment section saying, "Oh, what about this? What about that? What about this?" Like, yeah, people have got medical conditions, but I found in my experience talking to hundreds of people that those clients that come on board that have a medical condition that um, reduces their ability ability to lose weight. They are 100% aware of it. They've seen a specialist. Um, the people that tend to comment and go, oh, what about this? What about that? I'm also the self-diagnosed people um, that that are just kind of making up excuses basically for their poor poor decisions. So um, if you do have a if you do have a medical condition that you know makes it really hard for you to put on put on weight, then obviously um, take what I'm saying here with a bit of a grain of salt. See your treating specialist. Um, and if you do, if you do see my post, I'll put up probably once a year, once every eight months. Um, you know, I've never had anyone comment on there that has a legit medical condition because they know, they know I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the 99% of the population that fucking eat too much and don't move enough. All right. And the people that it needs to get through, it gets through to them. And the more so the self-diagnosed people are ones that, uh, comment and have a whinge about it. All right. So, um, just to, I'll, I'll run through just a few tips here to start off with. So nutrition. Basically, and it, most people know this, but eating a calorie surplus, so eating more calories than you burn. So if you want to know how many calories you burn, there's heaps of calculators on the on the website on uh, on websites, but just just track your nutrition as well. Have a look at uh, my fitness powers are a great thing that I get clients to use if we need to track their calories through that. If they're not doing it through our app, um, that's a great one to use. You know, focusing on protein, carbs, healthy fats, having frequent and balanced meals. So you want to stay away from Anything's going to, so like fasted, fasting, that kind of thing, because you're trying to eat in a calorie surplus. Um, so and the next thing's like strength training. So make sure you do big compound exercises like bench press, pull-ups, squats, those big lifts. Make sure you're gradually increasing weights for progressive overload. So increase increasing the intensity of your training um, and training consistently and targeting different muscle groups. So I know you mentioned upper body here, or upper body strength. Um, make sure you train your lower body as well. Like it's fucking 50% of your body. Other things, rest and recovery, which people don't really think about too much. 
they think about eating and training. So make sure you get those seven to nine hours of quality sleep per night. Um, you know, and there's, there's many ways to, you know, if you're struggling, people go, oh, I'm struggling to get to sleep. It's like, fucking get the fuck off your phone. I spoke about it in the last podcast, like when people go, I'm not a morning person. It's like, no, because you're posting fucking bedtime selfies at 12 o'clock at night saying how you can't sleep. And, you know, the best way to be able to sleep is put your fucking phone down. So, you know, get those seven to nine hours of quality sleep. Allow allow rest days too for muscle recovery. So make sure you're not overtraining. Um, look at supplements. Um, you know, protein powder, creatine, hydration's another one. So make sure you're staying staying hydrated. For um, you know, like we we suggest 0. 0.033 liters per kilogram of body weight. Just to kind of start off with. So if you're 100 kilos, that's 3.3 liters a day. Um, you know, I've trained people that have started with us that they literally drink one glass of water a day. I'm like, how the fuck are you still alive? Um, so a lot of people don't drink enough water. You can drink too much water as well on the flip side, but I've never come across a client that's drunk too much water. Um, with that, with your body weight one, if you want to work it out, just have your body weight in kilos. So it's 70 times by 0. 0.033. And that'll be um, how much, about how much water you should be drinking in liters per day. Obviously, depending on the weather, etc., that might go up, um, but keep it as like a bit of a baseline. And obviously, if you're like 200 kilos and you're not going to be drinking over six liters, so, um, you know, just use it as a bit of a baseline. Um, consistency and patience. Make sure you're... It fucking takes a long time, okay? So just just be stay consistent with your training, um, you know, and get... Get help if you need it, like professional help. See, chat to a dietitian, trainer. Um, the the biggest one there I, I like to take away from is that consistency and patience. Now, I have a decent amount of muscle mass, I like to think, but I've been training consistently for 20 years. Now, I don't mean like far, like I don't mean like six days a week for fucking 20 years. Like I train, I've been lifting weights for 20 years and like sometimes I have a week off or two weeks off for going holidays, etc. But consistently for 20 years now a good training program and nutrition plan will help you see results in 12 weeks but it's a fucking grind all right that that long term that they talk about like old man strength and they, those old guys that's been lifting for fucking years like that's built up over time you know it's not it's not just about about eating and lifting like think about recovery sleep stress they all play roles in your ability to gain muscle and recover like i I wish back in the day, like my my training started like like I think I was sixteen. It's maybe over twenty years. So like sixteen when I first started doing weights, I started doing push ups and sit ups younger than that. But I think when we first got our first like bench press at home was like sixteen. Um, we used to do bench press and do bicep curls and tricep kickbacks, and that was it. That was all we did. Now I would like I I kind of look back and wonder like. Fuck, I wonder what I would look like and how I, what kind of abilities I would have now if when I was like 17, 18, when I started getting serious about my training, whether I got a coach and then then at that age. But what I did, it was what, like most people do in the gym, is I just kind of went in the gym and I see like a real massive guy in there doing, and I just kind of follow, follow him around the gym. So he'd do bench press and then he'd go and like say incline dumbbell press and I'd, I'd go do bench press and I'd do incline dumbbell press like, Pretty much fucking whatever they were doing, I'd follow them. And same as my nutrition, like when I was in the army, I didn't really know. I knew about proteins, carbs, and fats, but I didn't really know how to eat properly or when I should be eating, etc. So what I used to do was i just watch the real fit guys, real big muscly guys, and i go see what they put in their plate um, at the mess hall, and then I'd just go fucking did, I'd eat exactly what they ate. Um, 
so yeah so it's um I, I would i wish i wish back in the day i had i've gotten a coach i i just would have accelerated my learning my learning my experience and my abilities now um so yeah I, I, like i would suggest hiring a coach you know if, if your goal is muscle mass um then look at hiring like a bodybuilding coach hire someone who's someone hire someone who's done what you wanted to do like if i had someone come to me it's like hey, i want to get on stage i'm like i'm not your fucking coach like i'll find you someone like i'll do a bit of background research for you chat to people that i know in the industry i'll find someone that's a good coach for you but i'm not your coach right so find someone that find someone that's done what you want to do um and they have a proven track record in achieving what you want to achieve The other thing is too, like I've, I've met guys who have struggled to put on fat. Absolutely. Like I've met, I know I've known those skinny guys, like the skinny guys that can't, can't put on fat, like I can't put on weight, but I've never, ever, I've never, ever met a guy who has had a nutrition, has a good nutrition plan, trained consistently and trained hard that wasn't able to put on muscle. Now, remember like, you see someone put on weight, they can put on fat, they can put on fat really quickly, but it's fucking hard to put on muscle. It's hard to do it quickly, <clears throat> unless you're on the gear, obviously. But, you know, I've seen I've seen a young kid recently in the gym and the one I was training up, up in um, Atherton I was talking about earlier on. And he was fucking super muscly. Like, he was training hard. His lifts were really clean. Like, his, his technique was great. Um, and you could tell that he would have been fuck, 17, 18 years old, year 12 becoming, and he had a high school uniform on. So it would have been like year 12, but you could tell like, just by looking at him, you can tell like he's been lifting consistently for 12 plus months, probably even earlier than that. Um, you know, but he had a, he, he had the body, he had the, he had the makeup of a guy that who, if he wasn't training, he would be considered that skinny guy unable to put on weight. Um, so if you, if you feel like, if you feel like you're there and you know, you're, you can't, you can't build muscle, you can't, you can't put on weight regardless of what you eat, regardless of how you're training, then I would, I would go hire a coach or go chat to a coach because you may feel like you're doing everything you can and for, and for your level of knowledge and understanding of training and nutrition, you're probably doing the best you can. That, that's no doubt, but there's people out there that know more that know more than you. And that's one thing about, I'm going to have a bit, a bit of a tangent here. That's I was talking to my dad the other day. We we're just, just sitting down and having a chat. And I was like, and I said this before in the podcast. And I was like, one of the most important things in life, I think, uh, is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. If you know what you know, then that's good. But if you also know what you don't know, then you can go seek help in that area. Like if you don't know, like for me, like I, I didn't know about social, like I know about training. I know how to train people. I know how to coach people. Do I know as much or more than other people? No, I don't. That's why I've had coaches in the past that have helped me out. Um, but when it comes to like social media marketing, that like I, I knew I fucking knew nothing about that. So I went and hired a coach, you know, that could show me how to do that stuff. So knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and understanding that, you know, although there's heaps of, there's so much information out there with the internet these days, like all the information's at your fingertips and ch chat GPT and shit make it even easier. It stops you from having to go through all the pages. It does it all for you, but that information's good, but it can be super overwhelming and um, you don't need 
all that information and you know having all that information can be overwhelming and give you too many ideas when really it just needs to be simplified a little bit um you know down to specifically what you need and that's hard sometimes to digest you know get all that information and digest it all and that's where a coach comes into play and helps you out and gives you the, the right tools and exactly what you need to be doing and what you don't need to be doing and what's going to help you the best so basically get a coach train consistently eat well train hard and remember it's a fucking grind like it's going to take a long time to build to build a lot of muscle like you'll you'll build a little bit quick all right but then it's after that like six to twelve week you know you've seen a bit of results at 12 to 24 weeks then it gets harder and harder as you go on and that's why it just needs to become a lifestyle if you want to do it long term and think about like you can you can lose weight quickly but yeah, and some people can put on weight quickly. Notice I said weight then and not muscle because it's fucking hard to put on muscle quickly, right? It's a grind. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of consistency and a lot of training. Like if it was fucking easy, everyone would be walking around jacked. All right, next question is from Paul. Breathing while running. I have real problems with the timing of breaths. Me too. <laughs> Generally, I count breath. I can't, I can't breathe in, th- I, I count breaths in three steps, sorry, three steps out and three steps in, three steps out and three steps in to try and, to try and get a rhythm, All right, so three out, three in, but it doesn't come naturally, um, how does everyone else do it, so um, I've done a podcast on how to control your breathing whilst running, so I'll drop that in the show notes below, um, I've heard a few different train of thoughts on this, so um i there's a book i listen to and i suggest everyone listen to it it's really good it's called breath um a lost art um i think that's it yeah breathe breathe a lost art um shoot me a message if you're I'm pretty sure that's it basically it talks about breathing through your nose and the benefits of it um so that's that book's heavily on breathing through the nose um i've spoken to a really really high level runner running coach and he talks about he breathes through his mouth. Um, you know, I've done I've done both. I breathe through my nose, breathe through my mouth. Um, it, it's real. It really depends. Like I, I do like to breathe through my nose, but then if I'm running outside and I've got my hat on and my sunnies on and my earphones, I find my sunnies really restrict my breathing through my nose. Um, so then I'll breathe through my mouth. Um, and in saying that, I'm a fucking shit runner, so don't take any advice off of what I'm doing personally. Um, but that's just me. That's what I do. So when I'm, if I'm inside on a treadmill or whatever, I'll try and focus on running, uh, breathing through my nose. I find that's better. But when I'm outside, I can't do that. I forgot my sunnies on. Just the way my sunnies sit, they impact my nose a bit and I kind of have to breathe through my mouth. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. It doesn't really answer your question, but I, I do dive into it a bit deeper in the podcast. So listen to that one, how to control your breathing whilst running. Um, the next one's from David. Uh, are, are the requirements similar and are the tests are the tests themselves the same for the MFS and SA polls so basically the, the fireys and the police um, or are they different due to the differences in job description um, I'm asking this because I've been through the fireys recruitment testing a few times over the last 5-10 years thanks um, so I'll just talk about my personal um, experience so I've been a police officer and now a firefighter. Um, so I've gone through the testing. Basically, 
Uh, the, t- the testing that I went through was very similar. The physical is slightly different. They both had beep tests, um, but then the fire is we had like an obstacle course we had to do. Um, the interview process was uh, kind of similar. There was a panel interview at the end, um, and the aptitude test was similar. The police had more writing involved as far as like they read a scenario and then you had to write a report on it and a bit more spelling involved. Um, whereas with the fires, it was more like mechanical aptitude. Um, so they were, they were very similar though. Like they, they weren't crazy different. And that was just for Mel, that was just for Victoria. So I can't, can't comment on other, other states, but for the, when I went through that, that was similar. One thing I did find though, is that the fireys assessment was a fair bit harder than the police assessment. Um, yeah, that was just that was just my experience. Like maybe people, I don't know, maybe people find it the, find it the other way around. But um, I, I like to think if you if you've done the testing for the fires a few times and you've passed, and you shouldn't have too many dramas with the police testing. Uh, this next one was a it was a post that was put up in one of our coach uh, one of our groups. I just wanted to read it, give you my reply, and then and then discuss it a little bit. So. Uh, basically, the comment was, hey, guys, a serious question maybe for those who are or have served as police officers, but probably for everyone to take on board. How many officers make it through their careers without suffering mental health issues slash PTSD from the things that they have had have to deal with as part of the job in being a police officer? I wanted to apply for several years and consider myself quite mentally strong. Uh, but I've spoken to quite a few ex-police officers over the years. And they've all tried to talk me out of going down that path because of the things you see and people you have to deal with and the impact it has on your mental health over the years. Anyways, would appreciate any insight. Um, there was a few really, really good responses. Um, but I won't read them all because they're all kind of around the similar, the similar path. I'll read my response to it. So basically, I just said, you know, it, it's one of those things you don't, you don't know if you will suffer and you don't know when you will suffer. Um, basically, all you can do is be proactive in maintaining a healthy lifestyle. So staying healthy, train, eat well, and being in touch with how you feel. Um, try to identify early if something doesn't feel right and seek professional help. They'll teach you a lot about it and there are so many services available to you, but you have to engage. So... It's up, it's up to you to engage. Like you can, all, all the services are there and they they talk about, you know, we need, and we definitely need to do more around mental health. Like, you know, the fact that there's so many people taking their own lives is, is you know, it's, it's not it's not great at all. And there's definitely more we can be, can be doing, but it really, it is up to the individual to engage. There, there's so many services, services out there. There's so many people willing to help. But at the end of the day, the person needs to engage. If they don't engage, you're not going to get that help. So that's just one thing I want to make really clear is that, you know, the the services, when regardless of what service you get into, they should be all over the mental health stuff now. They should be, they should be really proactive. And I know like a lot of the junior, um, you know, sergeants and staff are a lot more proactive with it now than maybe they were back in the day um, when I went, through which actually wasn't that long ago um but it's still up to you to engage like you can 
you can be given all the pamphlets and all the numbers to call, but at the end of the day, it's up to you to call them. Um, with the PTSD and mental health, actually, uh, this is another thing I was chatting to my dad about the other day. We're talking about PTSD now, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, when people think PTSD, they always go to that to that extreme side where a person's about to kill themselves. You know, they're not able to sleep. They're, you know, there's that people always think about that extreme side. But I'm just going to share. I'm just going to share something with you, and I didn't really. Um, I never really thought, and I, and I would have, I, what can I say? So I, I probably thought that way before with PTSD, um, you know, until I've gotten a bit older and wise, like I used to think, you know, PTSD is kind of that an edge of the cliff kind of scenario, but the, it can, it can come in many different, many different levels. And I've just over the years of talking to people and, and, you know, speaking to specialists and that kind of thing, like. So I went to a, a pretty messy fatal. Um, it, was at an, it was at an intersection and when I was a copper. Now, when I become a firefighter, I actually worked at a station that wasn't too far from that intersection. And I actually had to drive through that intersection on my way to work. I didn't, I didn't have to drive it. There was other ways to go, but that was the quickest way. Now, every day without fail, I would drive that intersection. I'd remember that job. I'd remember where the person was. I remember the whole scene, the blood, where the cars were. I remember everything. Um, now, yeah, absolutely. You could you could say that's a form of um, PTSD. Now, was it is it was it on the on the side where I can't drive through that intersection that's that bad that that job was you know affected me in that way? No, it wasn't. But it was definitely definitely a job where where every every day I'd drive through and and I'd remember that job just because that's where that's where I had the job. It was a, a um, a notable, a notable job in my, in my life, in my career. Um, and even on days when I would, when I would drive through, maybe I was just thinking about something else. I'd get past the intersection and be like, Oh, I didn't think about that job today. But then I so said, then I'd think about it because I just fucking remind myself that I didn't think about it. Now, um, you know, and I, and I say that in like, I, like I'm not a specialist, I'm not a psychologist, but is, is that a form of post-traumatic stress disorder? I, I guess so. I guess at a level, at a level it would be considered because it's something that, you know, it was a, it was a, I guess, a, uh, an experience that was very out of the norm, like a, I know it's traumatic, uh, but it's definitely a, a job that I continue to think about whenever I drive through that intersection um, because it is such a notable job in my career and my life. Um, you know, it's, it's there in a way that I, that I think about it, but, it doesn't upset me. It's just like a processing thing that I drive through and go, go. Oh yeah, and I, oh yeah, that job was there, and I, and I remember the job. And I don't want to talk it down in a way that, you know, I guess, you know, like um, I might go to I might go to a house fire now, and I you know drive past a house where it's been a house fire, and I remember, oh yeah, I remember that job there. I remember I had a house fire there, but you know, and I don't. Maybe because the other one involves death, maybe it's a bit more serious, but it's just. That's just something to to think about. Like it doesn't doesn't come in all shapes. It comes in all shapes and sizes. It's not just you know when people talk about PTSD, it's not just on that on that far extreme. There's obviously different different levels on it, and, and it affects people. It affects people differently in different different scenarios. Um, you know, we had an, had another one where a guy committed suicide, and this was when I was a firefighter, and 
yeah, I worked on him. We didn't, didn't get him back, unfortunately. Um, and I remember we come back, and I've spoken about this before on the podcast, come back from our four days off, and I was talking to uh, talking to one of the guys and just said, you know, how, how are your days off? And he goes, yeah, yeah, not great. Um, just, you know, as I was just feeling a bit shit after that job we had. And I was like, and I was super, super grateful that he said that and super, super thankful that he was, that he was, um, you know, emotionally he could be in a position where he was that open to me because um, I also felt really shit on my days off, but I fucking, I didn't know why because yeah, I've been to suicides before and, you know, this wasn't uh, like a messy one by any means. Like there wasn't anything, you know, un- untidy about it or anything, but it was just, I was able, once he said that, I was able to sit back and go, yeah, actually, I, I was feeling really shit on the days off and I didn't didn't really understand why I didn't put two and two together, which I probably, you know, in hindsight now, pretty fucking stupid that I didn't. But yeah, I didn't. And I remember, I remember being at the job and he was the same age as me and I remember doing compressions thinking, in my head, I was like, just thought, "Fuck, man! Like, what? What is? Um, you know, what? What happened in your life? It was so bad that this was this was the only only outcome you could see, um, you know." And I and I, I never said I, I've never said thank you to that to that guy that um that was open and honest enough to be like, "Yeah, I was struggling because of that job," because it 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 gave me the ability, um, you know, him being so raw and honest with me gave me the ability to reflect and be like, "Fuck, that's actually yeah, actually, I was feeling." feeling really shit on my days off and that's that actually makes sense that that you know i'll put that two and two together and and realize that that's why that's that's what it was um so you know and then that, and that's a job that i i don't overthink it but it does every now and then pop up in my head that i do i do think about and i process it and it goes away and it'll come back again at another time and i've been to been to a few other notable jobs in my in my life that i've spoken about on the podcast that do kind of they do come back and they do they do they affect me um some of them yeah i I would say definitely like um you know particularly bad one with kids and that kind of thing 100 percent that affects me like 100 percent when i think about that you know it does it does upset me a little bit and i I process it um you know and i've seen i've spoken in the podcast before i've seen a specialist about that as well um you know but would i would i have my time again and wish i didn't go to that job not a fucking hope in hell like i wish the job never happened because it was horrible it was horrible for what those people went through but i don't wish i never went to it because um if i didn't go to it, it means someone else has to and you know i like to think that i'm fairly fairly resilient fairly in touch with myself and you know i joined this job you know the coppers and then the fireys because you know, I want to, I want to help people. I want to, I want to be there. And as corny as it sounds, I want to be, I want to be that person on that. When someone's having the worst fucking possible day of their life, I want to be the person that that person turns to, um, to, to help them and help them get through that, you know, and, and does it, does it affect you going to those jobs? Absolutely. It does. Um, but there's only, you know, you can't, you can't go through this job thinking that, you're never going to be affected. You, you need to be aware, aware enough to be able to seek help early. Um, is what I would say. Um, you know, it's not a, not a matter of if, if jobs are going to affect you, it's a matter of when they affect you. Um, 
you know, and you just, you just don't know. Like I've been to some pretty, some pretty fucking serious jobs where I've just walked away and never, never think, never thought about them again. Never, ever like, and then I might have another fiery bring it up and be like, oh, I remember that job we went to, but oh fuck, I, I totally forgot about that job. And they were pretty serious jobs. And for whatever reason, I just never thought about them again. But, you know, other jobs I've been to that I'll, I'll think about, you know, not, not on a, not on a regular, not regularly, but they do, they do pop up in my mind and I process them and then I crack on. And you now we had things happen when I was in the army overseas and we got blown up and, and that's something where like, I might go for a month or two months where I'll think about that every day, but not in a good way, just, oh, no, sorry, not in a bad way, just kind of process it. Yeah. That happened in my life and you know, it was a pretty fucking wild time. Um, but it's not something that, you know, gets me down or puts me in a bad mood. I kind of like, I'm, I can process it and, and crack on and, and think about it and understand yep, that happened in my life and process it. And I'm thankful that it happened and then, and then move on. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not, I wouldn't not be in the job because of things you see, because it is going to be things you're going to see. Um, yeah, but just be, be open and honest with yourself and going back to talking about, um, when I came off my four days off after I went to that suicide, you know, be obviously make sure you're comfortable with them, but be open and honest and comfortable with your, with your work colleagues. Like if this guy had never of, um, you know, if he, if he, if he wasn't open and honest enough with me to be able to, and be comfortable enough with me to be, say like, Hey, yeah, no, nah, I felt shit because of that job. Um, so I had like a pretty, pretty shit four days off. And if he just had to said, yeah, no, nah, it was good, mate. Just hung out with the kids, blah, blah, blah. And kind of just kind of paid it off and wasn't honest and open with me. Then I, I don't know where that job would have led in my head. Like I might've just gone, oh yeah, cool. And then walked away thinking, fuck, I had a, I had a, I had a horrible, like I just felt shit all days off and then not, not understood. And that could have like, you know, snowballed and then you know, I could have felt worse and worse and not really understood or, or process it. But I was thankful that he was able to be open and honest with me and, and say like, you know, I had a fucking, had a, had a shit days off because of that job. And it gave me that ability to process it and be like, oh, fuck, actually, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's why I was feeling so shit. Um, so yeah, be... Be open and honest, and um, obviously only if you feel comfortable. Like only do it if you feel comfortable. I'm in a very, I'm in a very lucky position that my brother's a fiery. My dad was in the army. He deployed overseas. My brother did fucking four deployments overseas. My wife's a fire. Uh, my wife's a copper. Like a lot of my close close mates are all emergency services. So if I need a debrief, I've got such a great support network around me. You know, I can say to them honestly, like, yeah, I feel shit because of this job I went to or whatever, and they they know because they've been in that position. Um, a lot of people aren't that lucky. A lot of people that are in the emergency services might not have close friends and that that are emergency services or partners. Like, you know, if your if your wife, your partner's not in the job and she she's not one hundred percent comfortable with that stuff, like, be very careful about going home and unloading on them. Um, I know for I know for me, like, even being even being a copper and a fire now, if the wife comes home and she wants to talk to me about a job that she's been to that's that's cool but if it's something that involves um um kids and more so like um like sexual offending or anything like that's that's something that i really struggle with um so if she kind of like wants to debrief on that i'm kind of like 
you know, I, I'll listen, but I don't, I don't want, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far um, because it's something that does, you know, I have had jobs in the past that got reported to me along those lines. Um, and that's something that I don't, I don't like to, you know, think about in that. So, and that's from me being like, I've been a copper emergency services, a firefighter in the army. Um, so imagine like your partner, um, you know, going home, you're talking about jobs where maybe, you know, someone's been an accident. It's pretty messy. Like just be, be mindful of, kind of what you're offloading onto them um, because they might not have the same coping mechanisms as you do and, and can't, and can't um, you know, process, process that information as well as what you can. So it's just something to think about. Um, yeah, and you obviously, you know, your partner better than what I do, but uh, and I'm talking about not work partner. I'm talking about like life partner, you know, husband, girlfriend, whatever. Um, so it's something to think about there. So I, ho- I hope that helps. And I think it went bit of a tangent at the end there. Um, I, I, I'm an open book, guys. So if you ever have any questions about, you know, how I, I've dealt with things in the past or whatever, just just ask me. I, I'm, I'm here to help you guys, um, you know, but don't, definitely don't, don't not, if, if you want to join, join. Um, don't not join because of what other people have said. Um, you, you are going to see some fucked up shit. So, don't think of if I am affected, just be, have the mindset of when I get affected. So that way you're always conscious of it. You're always thinking, okay, how am I feeling? Am I, am I a bit off? Um, and generally your partner, your partner will notice a change in you before you do. So if your partner says to you like, hey, is everything okay? You just seem a bit off. Don't just go, yeah, no, no, I'm fine. I'm paid off. Think about it. Go, okay, I am a bit off. What What's what's happened lately? What's happened at work? Did I, did I go to a job at work that, you know, that's maybe I'm thinking about, or, you know, have, have enough self-awareness to process it. But yeah, don't my, yeah, my biggest one would be going to the job, going to the job, knowing there's going to be an incident that's going to affect you, affect your mental health. If you're going, knowing that, then you're going to be much more aware that it's, that it's going to, that it's going to happen eventually. Or you're going to go to a job, and you never know what job it'll be. Um, you know, just going into that and being being conscious enough and being aware enough of how you feel, how your training going, how's your nutrition. Like if you always train, your eating's always good. Next, you know, you stop training, you're drinking more. That's a pretty good fucking indication that there's something something going on. You know, so just just be be very self aware. If you're going into this job, be extremely self aware. Um, I hope that helps you guys out. If you have any questions shoot them through. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Police Fit Podcast. Now, I'm going to ask you to do what everyone else asks you to do as well. Can you please subscribe, like, and share the podcast? The more people we can get it in front of, the more people we can help. Now, on that too, if you've got any questions at all, please shoot me a message on Facebook. I'll cover it off in the podcast. I'll give you the most amount of information that I can. And please, if you need help with your fitness, training, mindset, anything, please reach out and ask me. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you out. You just need to ask. Thanks, guys.